Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Braybender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Welcome back to episode three of our Member Journey podcast series. Today, I am once again joined by MB Director of Strategy and Innovation, Dave Holman. With over 30 years in the benefits industry, Dave thought he'd seen it all. The pandemic triggered the great resignation and Dave anticipated a shift in the workforce. Employee benefits are in the forefront as employers struggle to recruit and retain employees. At MB, we pride ourselves on being a proactive insurance broker and knew we had to act now to prepare our clients for the challenges they would face. Without further delay, let's welcome Dave Holman to the show to share the results of this months-long survey, data collection, and analysis of what to expect for the future of employee benefits. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dave. Hey. Thank you you so much for joining us here in today's Immersion Center, switching up from the studio in the control room. Yep. So glad to be in here. And we are finally ready to get back to the member journey discussion it's been a while since we last It's been talked, since April. But yes. a lot has happened since then. Right. And we wanted to collect the data, analyze the data, and make sure we had some actual solutions for our listeners, right? Yeah. We needed to confirm what our hypothesis was. Right. Right. So let's recap episodes one and two. Um, we'll give the SparkNotes version. Um, in part one of this series, we talked about the world we live in and the problems that employees and employers are facing. And in episode two, we discussed what millennials and Zoomers really want in their benefit package. Um, so if you want to give a little a little longer, you want to give some color to those. Yeah. So uh, the first episode, we set up the problem. Why are we even having this discussion? And mm-hmm. how has the world dramatically changed? And um, came to the realization that it's not a temporary problem. They're just so many moving parts, but they're all pointing in the direction that this is a um, long-term problem that we'll have to address and just adjust to. Right. Uh, episode two, what we wanted to do is actually talk a little bit about the benefits that were attractive to millennials and to Zoomers that were out there because they're a very um, unique uh, demographic and what they want out of a benefit package is different than what we have historically looked at. Right. Um, so what we then did in the data was we wanted to validate what the marketplace research was telling us. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, it was I would say it was validated and then a little bit more. Absolutely. Right. So that's a thank you for that little yeah. recap there. So we're, we're done talking about the problem. Now we're going to talk about the solutions, um, why we're doing what we're doing. So to kick things off, can you explain the process that McGowan Braybender underwent to begin this remapping process? Yeah. So we, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, we had a hypothesis about what we thought um, the outcome of our research would be, where we thought things were going. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have often found that when you work too closely in the situation, uh, you become a little bit biased in reading into the data, analyzing the data, drawing your own conclusions. So we went out and we hired an independent firm uh, that has extensive background in both uh, research and with member journey mapping. Right. And we brought them in and they did both qualitative and quantitative analysis. Okay. And um, 
over the course of uh, three months, they interviewed uh, people one-on-one. They had small focus groups. Mm-hmm. We, we interviewed employees. We interviewed um, clients and uh, employees at the companies that we serve mm-hmm. and um, did it in a, in a number of different ways. But the research came back and both the qualitative and the quantitative analysis really complemented each other. It it verified and confirmed um, the direction we thought we were going in. There were a few wrinkles in there that we found were very interesting. Right. So how many people would you say total did we survey? Thousands? Uh, we sent the survey out to over 100,000 of our members, Whew. of the groups that we had. And I believe they... They did 40 to 50 um, one-on-one interviews. Wow. So we had a very good cross-mix. So we have the data. We have the data to Mm -hmm. support what we thought. Okay. So can you elaborate a little bit on the characteristics that you guys were looking for by generation? Did it matter who we interviewed? Did you specifically break it down with Zoomers, Millennials, Gen X, we, and then boomers. It, it was really important that we had a good cross representation, and and we did that, especially on the quantitative, um, that we had a good cross mix. And what we did found what there were, there was a great distribution mm-hmm. um, among all generations, and so it was it was especially important that we probably had a little that that we had a more diverse um, collection. Of millennials and Zoomers simply because um, they are rapidly taking over or dominating the, the, the workforce. The, the workforce, mm-hmm. and so it, it was very important that we understood exactly how they were wired and what they were looking for. Okay, perfect. So that helps set me up for my next question. Before we share what we found, what did you think you would find? Did you have um, any guesses? We thought that when you talk about the member journey, we really thought that it would be generational. Uh, we thought that we would have a minimum of probably five to seven mm-hmm. different journey maps out there, not just based off generations, but different nuances um, that were out there. Mm-hmm. And that was not at all what we found. Yeah. That was one so, of my favorite takeaways. So that's kind of like the cliffhanger when you're watching a show and they get ready to cut to a commercial. So. Right. So can you share what these two journeys were? Well, first, what are the typical like five to seven journeys that you're even talking about? Well, we thought we would have the demographic journeys. Then we thought perhaps it would be by industry, like uh, you know, uh, a group where there's a union group, non-union group, white collar, blue collar, okay, geographic uh, disbursement, remote mm-hmm. workers. Those were the different types of journeys that we thought we would have. Okay. In the end, we were actually, I would say I was pleasantly surprised, mm-hmm. but a little bit shocked to find out there are simply two member journeys that we Which came is across. crazy. It, it really was. And no matter how we sliced and diced the data, we came back to two member journeys. And though that is the member journey of a high utilizer of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And the journey of a low utilizer of healthcare. It sounds so simple it, when you just break it down with it, two. It really does. Um, and we thought maybe it was oversimplified. But like I said, when we looked at the different uh, data sets, we, we just kept coming back to that. And so, 
you, you would think high utilizer and low utilizer. Well, why are you worried about a low utilizer? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, your low utilizer today is your high utilizer tomorrow. Right. And they still have to select and engage the the their benefit program. And right. So you mm -hmm. do, they just interact um, with the program a little differently and what their expectations are of the program. Right. So if you can break it down further exactly, the low utilizer is just someone that's less in, less engaged, yeah, right? It's it's a person that's enrolled in benefits, but maybe they they for example, their health plan. They may only utilize it once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. Um they show up to open enrollment meetings, but they're not highly engaged because it really doesn't affect them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not participating in a lot of the extracurricular programs that are available because it's not a very important need to them. Right. High utilizers, on the other hand, are people that may have chronic conditions, people that are starting families. Um, maybe they got married and they're trying to decide which plan are they better on, their, their new spouses or right. their own program. Uh, and then as they navigate through uh, those chronic conditions, are they on maintenance drugs, uh, preventive and diagnostic screenings? Mm -hmm. It's just a whole nother level of complexity and engagement that they need to have mm -hmm. to navigate through the health plan. So when we talk about the engagement aspect of it, what exactly are some examples of that? Where what part of this journey are people getting stuck? Or like how is the difference between oh no, now I'm panicked. I'm a low utilizer, but now I need to use it. So is there anxiety connected with this? Yeah, there is a lot of anxiety. And there are certainly, there, there are specific events that we found among high utilizers and low utilizers that, that are the same. Mm -hmm. But really, it's at the point of access. And we spend, um, we spend a lot of time at open enrollment. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about benefits, but it's not necessarily what the employees want to hear. They want to hear more about when I'm ready to use my plan, not yep. not really what the benefits are because the benefits are what they are. Mm -hmm. And and for the most part, it's like it, it's a turnkey operation. It's like when you go in and you buy Starbucks, you order your drink. It can be very different, but ultimately you're going to hand them your, your form of payment yep. and they take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. I don't want to overcomplicate things, but healthcare is essentially the same. When you walk into a doctor's office, you're not going to debate whether it's 70% coverage or 80% coverage. You're going to hand me your ID card. You're going to receive something in the mail later. Mm -hmm. What the members are saying is they want more help and assistance at the point of access when, um, when they need to start a new maintenance drug. Mm -hmm when they receive an EOB and don't know if it's a bill or it's not a bill, when they get something from their doctor's office where it doesn't match up for them, mm -hmm. when they're trying to decide, am I better off in this plan or that plan? Oh, yeah. So there are, it's, it's very situational. There are many stops along the member journey, but what they're looking for is assistance in that moment of how to navigate that situation. Wow. And that's what we learned from the surveys. Yeah, we did. And uh, I mentioned before um, that whether you're a high utilizer or a low utilizer of mm -hmm. healthcare, um, the the stress is the same right. at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that comes a little bit later in our discussion. Well, yes, yeah. I was just going to say <laughs> I have had the pleasure of sitting through a few of your presentations about this, and two key terms that we keep talking about are stressors and delighters. 
And I'd love for you to introduce yeah. this to the listeners and tell them what why these two terms are so important. Yeah, on a um, from a member journey perspective, a product journey discussion, you'll hear the the term stressors and delighters, mm-hmm. which is not something you hear in healthcare a lot. No. I think the first time I brought it up internally, people looked at me like I had just... There's no delight in healthcare. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the best way of looking at it is in every situation along your member journey, it creates a state of mind. And that state of mind either causes stress mm-hmm. or it causes a sense of delight, hence the term stressors and delighters. Right. Um, Delighters are few and far between, and um, it, it means that you have a positive, you walk away from an experience with a positive feeling, mm-hmm. or it could even be a neutral feeling. Right. Like I ran into an issue, I was able to quickly take care of it, and I walked away from it, and I was able to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. That can be a delighter. Uh, it can be an unexpected surprise that you didn't expect to get out of your benefit program. Mm-hmm. And... Um, those are examples like the when we surveyed um, our population, actually what they found, uh, key examples of delighters, when an employer contributes any amount of money to an HSA account, mm. that's a delighter. Okay. Uh, they actually found that short-term disability uh, uh, plans are delighters because there's that expectation that if you're out of work for a period of time, um, there's not always that assumption that you're going to be compensated right. for that. So it creates delighters because it usually if you're off of work for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. something has happened that that may not always be, you it's know, you've got a whole you've got different things that you're you're concerned about. So knowing that your income is protected right. is very important to them. EAPs, mm-hmm. especially over the last couple of years. Uh, everything that we've gone through with COVID and and the economy and everything else, an EAP is a very important tool for them right. to utilize that's out there. So those are examples of delighters. Stressors, on the other <laughs> hand, I could go on and on for them. Right. You think about things that diminish the value of a plan. It helps it, you, you have a negative feeling walking away. Uh, you don't feel good about the situation. Mm-hmm. You don't appreciate the program. You feel it's a lesser benefit than you should have. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's fair. And, um, you know, what we found is whether or not you are high utilizer of healthcare or low utilizer of healthcare, the, the top four stressors that uh, employees and members go through. Okay. Uh, the first one is a carrier change. Ah. And, you know, we think about um, here at McGill and Bray Bender, when we work with employers and we navigate with their HR and their executive C-suite staff with a carrier change, we know how much stress it creates for the employers. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates even more anxiety with the employees and the members that are out there because I would agree with that. There 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 are so many logistics. Which plan do I pick? What happens with my maintenance drugs that I'm on? Am I gonna have to switch doctors? I don't have an ID card. Does prescription copay plans work with it? If the change takes care, takes place mid calendar year, how do deductibles work? Do claims come over? Um the list goes so, on oh, and is. on. And enrollment, uh, another stressor, enrollment in a high deductible plan for the first time. Right. It's stress because there's always that fear of the unknown. What happens when my account isn't funded to where it needs to be and I have a big expense, mm-hmm. something happens to a family member, how am I going to afford that? 
Right. Um, so that's the the second one. So we had a carrier change. We had the high deductible change. Yep. Prescription drug costs are a huge stressor because it's almost like a game. It's um, a guessing game. A game of chance. Mm -hmm. Like you get your prescription filled. Um, how you much know, is it going to cost? How much? It, what is it, it costs free? you this month is not necessarily what it's going to cost you next month. Right. And then, you know, when it goes from something that's covered to something that's over the counter mm -hmm. or the big, uh, something that's very confusing is when you go in to get a script filled and suddenly um, the pharmacist is, is suggesting that you don't run it through your plan. You run it through a good RX or you run it through another discount program. And that creates a lot of stressors because the employee wants to know how that works in coordination with their plan because right. sometimes it will, yep. sometimes it won't. Um, and if they, if it's something that's reoccurring because then that doesn't help them meet their deductible, but yet they're paying more and more out of pocket. Yeah. So prescription drug costs is a huge problem. And then that was number three. Yeah. The other, the other large stressor has to do with preventive and diagnostic care. The, the confusion between the, the two? The confusion of, mm -hmm. uh, and really the difference, because when ACA was enacted, they talked about preventive screenings being covered at 100%. Right. Okay. And a lot of our groups have health management strategies in place, mm -hmm. which is, is so critically important to making sure that you find problems before they become super big problems. It costs a the lot of money. The challenge you run into is you go in and let's say it's a colonoscopy mm -hmm. and you expect to have that covered at 100%, zero dollars at a cost, but it gets miscoded or it gets upcoded or they find a polyp and suddenly it's not a preventive exam anymore. It's a diagnostic exam and suddenly that zero dollar copay is now $1,400, $1,800. So it can be um, a very stressful time. And, you know, members kind of feel helpless. Like, how do I deal with this? How do mm -hmm. I address it? Can I do anything? So those are the stressors that are out there. And so what we found when we went through the entire uh, member journey and all the different stops on the member journeys, mm -hmm. there are a whole heck of a lot more stressors and those are, are just the top four that you those are the top four bucketed. that there were long lists yeah. that we had and there's a very long list of stressors a relatively short list of delighters and what we did find was that in the cases where um there were delighters were you know employers are not doing everything they can to really play up mm -hmm. or promote the delighters they, right. it's just an assumption they're yeah. focused on the stressors, but yet that really comes to hurt you when it comes time for recruiting and retention. Absolutely. And if our listeners are like, well, what the heck are we going to do about it? Don't worry. We'll be sharing our solutions next episode. Yes. But this episode, we're still just focused on our findings. So I, I wanted to kind of change gears to the generations again, because this is just a huge, this was yeah. one of my most I thought it was the, one of the coolest things we found from the surveys. It really was. So the expectations for the generations what are some differences you found? I know when we break it up, it's the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Zoomers, and you you searched how it, they were shaped, what they're motivated by, how they communicate, how they view the world, and what their favorite benefits are. So if you want to kind of break those down a little bit, give your top 
Yes. Top findings. Okay. Yeah. The top findings. Cause I, we could spend an entire podcast I know. We have on just generation. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it's, it's amazing and it's very interesting. But for purposes of this discussion, we'll, and we'll start with boomers. Okay. Boomers are actually the generation that you need to worry about least as an employer when it comes to benefits. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is they've been around the block. They, yeah. If they have chronic <laughs> conditions, they understand. They've already figured out how to manage them. Mm -hmm. They understand their benefit program. They're super highly engaged. They are high uh, utilizers. Yes. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the higher utilizers. And as a result, they're highly engaged. Mm -hmm. They're well-educated. They know how to navigate it. They, um, what's very important to that group is that they have their core benefits as they segue and move into retirement. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, a good, ben a good health plan, disability plan, yep. 401k is so critical to them. Yep. They're not necessarily going to do a lot of job hopping at that point. Right. Um, but what's important is that they feel comfortable with the plans that they have. Right. And so I know that doesn't sound super exciting, but like I said, they're really your status quo type of generation. Mm -hmm. Gen Xers are a little bit different. <laughs> they are more self-motivated. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and when I say that, like they're, they'll put their personal interests above the companies if they're not aligned. Right. So they will move on to different job opportunities if it provides a growth opportunity to them. Mm -hmm. It provides advancement to them, um, an opportunity to grow. And that's really important. 56% um, of all of your business startups that are out there mm -hmm. are from Gen Xers. Wow. They're hard workers. Yep. They are team players um, that are out there. And um, flexible work arrangements have become very important to them, especially in light of COVID. Like um, work from home was not super um, high on their priority list pre-COVID. Right. Now it's up there and flexibility is very important to them. So we dug a little bit deeper Which, into yeah, this. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And one reason that it's flexibility is so important to them is this generation is the first generation that is caring not just for younger people, they're caring for their parents. The sandwich. Because the older generations are living much longer. Right. And so suddenly adult care is a huge concern mm -hmm. uh, for them that's out there. Um, the ability to work remote, control over their schedules, uh, and flexibility is um, important to them. 401k with matching benefits mm. is very important because mm -hmm. her uh, because um, retirement is not too far far off right on the horizon. But mm -hmm. work life balance is very important, and they to still them. fully believe in the work life balance that term. Whereas the millennials are kind of like, no, it's not. We don't really care about work life balance anymore. Like that still is super important to Gen X. Yeah. So uh, moving on to millennials, okay. um, flexibility, 24-7 lifestyle That's why is I important. was going to say that. <laughs> they don't look at their jobs. They don't look at their lives in terms of it's an eight-to-five job. It's right. like things happen 24-7 mm -hmm. and the ability to self-manage, the ability to set their own schedule, 
um, unlimited PTO, work from home. My favorite benefits. It is critically important to them Mm -hmm. and they will absolutely jump jobs in order to have that. Um, When you look at this generation and you think about it's a fad, it's because of the economy, it's because of COVID, that is not the case. Right. And you've got to figure out millennials in your workforce because by 2025, they'll be 75% of your workforce that's out there. They're highly Mm cause-driven, so they believe in giving back. So I, I talk about delighters and stressors a moment ago, and I talked about employers don't necessarily do a great job of promoting all the delighters. Right. So when you're recruiting and when you're retaining and when you're playing up and reselling your organization, the, the, the community involvement, the volunteer opportunities, those are, they, millennials place an equal value to that of other benefits that are out there because they believe so much in giving back to the community and the world uh, that we live in. Right. So um, the ability to work remote and not just remote from home, but work remote from, from anywhere, from across the country yeah. when they're traveling. Um and just the ability to be flexible mm-hmm. in all aspects of their job is important. Feedback is important uh, for millennials, and they tend to be a very collaborative group of people. Okay. So people always want to lump together the the um, millennials and the Zoomers, mm-hmm. and there are some nuances. They do share some of the same characteristics, but there are difference. Differences. Zoomers, um, when I think of Zoomers, I think of diversity, mm-hmm. personalization, and individuality. They have grown up in a native technology world where everything is personalized, everything is customized. They can opt in or opt out. They don't like doing what the <laughs> masses do. Correct. Um, work life balance is very important to mm-hmm. them, just like the millennials. And um, they like to be self-directed and independent. However, they like continual check-ins, mm-hmm. mentorships, and and career pathing. Mm-hmm. It that is very important. And so, again, when you're out there recruiting and retaining, what's very important for them to hear is that it's just not a job that you're working with them as they advance through the organization and mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. Um, that those opportunities exist and that you're constantly checking in um, with that generation because they're that's the generation that continually got feedback from their parents. Oh, Very yeah. hands on the helicopter parents. parent. That, I was gonna stage. say I was gonna say more the bulldozer parents. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> so they are used to that. And and more so than any other generations, the parents continue to have a very strong mm-hmm. influence in their lives, especially when it comes to benefit, oh, absolutely. Uh, benefits that are out there. So um, training programs are uber important yep. to them. So professional training, not just we're going to come in and teach you your job. They want to know what that is. They want to know how long it is, what you're going to cover, what you're going to go through. EAPs are very important yep. to them. And that's where you get into the non-traditional benefits, the tuition reimbursement, lifestyle spending accounts. Yep. Um, they would rather 
you know, utilize some benefit dollars on going on adventure vacations or Uber. Pay, yeah, yeah, Uber Eats, gym memberships, Netflix. paying their cell phone yeah. bills. Um, and they also are very cause driven. The difference between millennials and Zoomers mm -hmm. is that Zoomers want millennials will do it out of the goodness of their heart, and it doesn't <laughs> matter when. Um, millennials will. Zoomers like to do it on the clock and like to be compensated. Yeah, and that's kind of the that's interesting the difference. And they are the fair generation. And this is an important note to understand. Everything needs to be. I don't say everything. That's a and. You know, that's an exaggeration. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But in general, um, fairness is important. Things need to be as equal as possible. So if they are not taking certain core benefits from you, um, for example, they're staying on their parents' plan until they're 26. What are they going to get It's instead? important that they have something that is of equal value to them. Right. And so that $500 uh, health care plan buyout is not equal nope. in their minds. And they want something that offers um, some flexibility and an immediate benefit payout because benefits are not as important, um, the core benefits to the Zoomers, because they're simply not utilizing them. Mm -hmm. They're not taking disability necessarily. They're not on your medical plan. They're not, um, they don't see the value in a lot of that. And 401k, in all honesty, financial security is important, but retirement is something that is so far off into the future. They're worried about paying off student loan debt. Right. Um, they're worried about the, I don't say worried about, but they desire instant gratification, mm -hmm. the payouts, the vacation, the living in the here and now. The paycheck right then and there. Yeah. So it's yeah. very different. Right. And another finding that I liked whenever we talk about the difference between boomers and zoomers, technology. And that was a fun finding, right? Yeah. I think you, we talk about some of the biggest surprises that came from a result. And, and we went back because we thought maybe there was a mistake. Um, <laughs> zoomers and boomers both love their paper. Which is crazy And you would think that, yeah, especially uh, you can understand the boomers. Yes. But you look at the Zoomers and you think, oh, they're technology, they're app-based, they're they grew up all with of, it. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're they're native to technology. And so we went digging a little bit deeper, and what we found is the reason that they want paper for everything mm -hmm. is not for them, it's for their parents. Because when I bring them home and show mom and dad, everything that's benefit related yep. is going home to mom and dad and mom and dad in many cases are making the benefit decisions and, and instructing the, um, the zoomers, what to enroll in, right. what not to enroll in, which plans. Uh, and so that's creating, um, that was an interesting observation because it allowed us to take a step back and figure out that, there's a great opportunity yep. that's out there to, we need to do a better job um, as a broker and as an employer and making them more independent and treating them differently than other generations. Because we generally have that one size fits all approach mm -hmm. and we will do the same spiel for open enrollment that we do for a Gen Xer and a millennial as we do for the Zoomer. Right. And their knowledge level is much different because what we did was we went digging a little deeper and we found out their knowledge of benefits is nil 
compared to other because they've not needed to in their defense they've not needed to because they've had guidance the whole way and so what we need to do is treat them differently and and we always say um you know almost like treat them like the 64 year old that's getting ready to enroll in medicare for the first time (laughs) you talk about that experience you're taking something they know nothing about and getting them up to speed over 12 months so that when they enroll in medicare they know exactly the animal that they're dealing with. Right. So as we get towards the end of this episode, I wanted to see, was there anything oh. else? Oh, did oh, we have a text my, message? Our time is up, Kenzie. I've got to get, no. <laughs> I apologize. Was one it. of your Zoomers yeah. texting you? <laughs> um, so as we wrap up this, this podcast, I wanted to see if there was anything else. This is a passion project of yours. For many years, you wake up oh, in a cold sweat with this. It is. It's been exciting. This was something that we we started down the path on back in 2019, and then we had a little global pandemic hit us, ah, and so yeah. we had to pivot and do other things. But right. um, we've seen this coming. But I'm very passionate about it because the way that we engage our workforce and what's important to them um, is what's going to make the difference for recruiting and retention which is what our employers are telling us today they're struggling with the most. Right. I mean, for years and years, it was it was cost, cost, cost. Mm-hmm. How do you manage the cost? How do you predict the cost? It's still very important, but right now they're more concerned with, you know, how do we get the right, empl- not just get, you know, not the right employees, how but in some cases, them? how do we get bodies yeah. so that we can run the shifts we need to so we can stay open the days that we need to and not cut back on things. So it's very important. Mm-hmm. And so there is a psyche to all of this. And we understand how they're wired and what's important. We can we can absolutely transform our employers' lives. I think that's a mic drop right there. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on episode three. And next episode, we will be sharing the solutions. Yes. So we're very excited about that. Buckle up, bring your pen and pencil and paper, and we will be sharing that. So if you have any questions or comments about the member journey, part three with our data, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com or uh, Dave at healthierbirthdays.com. Right. And if you would like a copy of the research study and what we found, the executive summary and the data, um, email us and we will send you. We can you... share. We want to share. Yeah, we'll, we'll share. Yep. So. so thanks for joining us on Side Effects and we'll see you next time.